All right, it is the What Do I Do Now podcast, season two. And this episode is really a paying homage to the first episode. And I definitely want to shout out Carrie Green, also known as Gump, because she got to discuss a loss of her significant other and how that literally turned into this entire journey during this podcast and asking people, what do they do now? And with this episode, I, I got to take it back to the mall. I've done it a lot, but this one is real special because I remember being in like the third grade, switching schools and whatnot. And this kid, you know, <laughs> used to be fast and he was a little shorter than me, but, you know, just being one, one of the guys that I really hung around with a lot. And now joining the platform, I have Zeb Bartolome. How you doing today, man? I'm doing swell. How you doing, my brother? It's been a long, we- long time. It's been a minute, but I'm glad we are here, you know, able to communicate through this medium and just catching back up and figure out what where life has taken us both. Yeah, you uh you, you made it all the way down south. You over there in the A, but I see you periodically come to the city, show your love, give it to your family, yeah. give it to your friends, make sure you understand your stock has gone up since you left. Just make sure it's still valuable down there, you know what I mean? Absolutely, and I definitely appreciate because, I mean, there's a lot of people that I definitely looked up to and looked around, and I didn't really have a lot of negative influences, but I had folks like you when I was even playing football. You know, that one season I played football, and just, <laughs> you know, it, 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 that was a rough season, but working with wide receivers and whatnot, and, you know, surely being a brotherhood where you got, you know, shout out to a peanut you know shout out to my guys that i was really in the trenches with you know working the offensive side of the ball and seeing where we are now it's a beautiful thing that was beautiful yeah i remember uh i remember us uh we was in the same neighborhood in uh seventh grade actually seventh grade yeah cricket hills up over there good time good times and just you know what's the latest with you what's the newest thing going on with you honestly i got a new business rolling now at one point i was working Going pretty tough with that. I was working with uh, one of the top pharmaceutical companies in the country, or actually in the world, called Roche for a while. I was uh, doing a EE with them, electrical engineering, maintenance, supervising. That's where my niche is. Along that way, entire, I started a cinematography company. I do commercials, small product exposure for companies, businesses, like uh, 501c3s, non-for-profits, things of that sort. That's going pretty well. And then with the recent transition to, you know, becoming a single parent now, that's my sole focus is on, you know, my son and then uh, that company. That's my other baby, you know, I, uh, that's the way that's how I get around now. So that's pretty you. much how I came. Got you. So let's talk about your son, Zane. How old is he now, <clears throat> man? Uh, he'll be five in October, October 15th. He's a little grown, but uh, he's five. That's crazy. It's crazy. Never man, thought I'd have a five-year-old, bro. You a whole dad out here in these streets. I am. I'm a father. I'm a father. <laughs> father. There you go. That's real. You are absolutely <laughs> a father. So I want to take it back a few years. And before you were a father, you met his mother, Brianne Lee. What was she like, man? Uh, she was a stunning, young, vibrant, full of life woman. Very genuine. She wasn't old enough to be tainted yet by anything that she's done in her life. Um, she was a very genuine person. And a lot of that she has passed down to her son. But uh, yeah, she was brand new, young, just full of life. I can't even lie. And that's uh, that's what made her really good at her job. Uh, she was very genuine and wholehearted about everything. Okay, for uh, those that don't know who we're referring to, it's Officer Brian Leith, who was 
a Indianapolis police officer and coming from a family that worked in law enforcement from her mom being a, I believe, a dispatcher. Her dad was a deputy sheriff. So, I mean, she came from a history of just like we're in public service and protecting and serving is what we do, not just, you know, from the family, but from the community aspect. Yes, that was to the core of her. She wanted to do that ever since she was a child. And um, like you said, it runs deep in her blood. Father was a sheriff. Uh, her uncles are. Um, her sisters before, her older sister before that was a correctional officer. She later moved in that direction. But prior to that, she was in the Army and she was a military police. So transitioning from military police to correctional officer and then furthering that into actually being an uh, IMPD police officer here in Indianapolis. She, uh, she had her life mapped out. She had her steps rolled and she did it very, very soon and very early, very diligent. So. You know, that was in her core. And for those that are still following along, unfortunately, due to a line of duty shooting, she is no longer with us. And they were both very proud parents of Zane from what I saw on Facebook. And I remember hearing about it, but hadn't put two and two together that that was, you shared the same son. I had got the notification, just like, man, Indy, it that rarely happens and even right. looking it up it seems like the last actually on the line of duty shooting was like 2014 so it's been a long time that any violent crime had been committed against a police officer so this really hitting really close to home and for you when you got that call i'm pretty sure you just were just shook because i'm pretty sure you probably talked to her earlier today because uh, you were effectively <clears throat> co-parenting with her for your son's sake 100%. So we had the co-parenting down. Um, we had it down. We had it down pretty good. You know, we didn't have to do the court system. Um, we're both pretty down to earth. We came up with a schedule and we both had the best interest for our son. So when two parents can come together and they know what's best for their children and they can see eye to eye and agree on it, that's what makes co-parenting, you know, and, and we had that down to where we could be like, you know, what, this is what we think is best. And we come down to talk about it and make a decision from there. But yeah, we were effectively co-parenting. We were really good. We had a, a great schedule. And um, it was rarely a week that went by that he did not see his mom and myself every, every week, you know? Every week we had a schedule down to where he'd be with me for a couple of days and then he'd be with her for three days and then he'd be with me for two days. And then the next week that would flop. You know, she would have him two, I'd have him three, she would have him two. So then we had a schedule like that. So every week our son was in that routine saying, okay, I'm ready to go to daddy now. All right, I'm ready to go with mommy. Well, we got planned, you know, we had that, he had that excitement rolling in his life. And then that day in April came and it, uh, I remember that like it was yesterday. It, uh, it, it, it changed, it changed my whole perspective on not only being a parent, but a co-parent, a boyfriend, a potential husband at one point, not to her, but just, I mean, in general, a dad that 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 changed my whole entire life man i remember the call like it was yesterday we went to the store and i actually get a text from a couple of people that i don't even talk to like wouldn't associate myself with anymore and they're like hey you know i'm praying for your son's mom you know i heard about what happened keep her in my prayers and i'm like what is going on? Then it was like, ding, 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 ding. Phone just started blowing up. And then I'm like, what's going on? You know what I mean? They got the wrong right. number. So <clears throat> I ended up calling her mom. 
and I call their mom and I say, hey, you know, what's going on? Uh, I tried to call Bree. I actually tried to call Bree once. Phone didn't go through. Tried to call her a second time. Didn't go through voicemail. So I call her mom and her mom's like, I said, hey, what's going on? Something wrong with Bree? And she's like, I don't know what happened. There's a shooting and we're on our way to the hospital. I said, hold on, what do you mean you're on your way to the hospital? Where's Bree? She's not answering her phone. And mind you that Bree and I always had this agreement. We've had this talk multiple times and that's a reason why we really didn't work out the way we worked. We should have worked out even with the child is because the anxiety it takes to be the partner of a police officer, especially in this day and age is so, so stressful. It's one thing to have a parent be the parent of a child that goes be as an officer or, you know, be the child of an officer or, you know, a friend or a grandparent. But when you watch this person day in and day out, put on his vest, put on his gun, put on his badge, his uniform, and you walk out and your last words to him are make it safe, make it back home. Yeah, you every time your phone goes off, every time a text message goes off, anytime it's like a the worst anxiety you can ever have. And I, I don't I don't I hope nobody really has to experience that, but there is people just like I said, spouses of them, but that is the worst anxiety you can ever have. So with that being said, we always had an agreement. We always had this talk that if something would ever happen to her, she would call. She would call. If she could, she she would call. And if she couldn't, somebody would call me or somebody would answer and let me know that she's fine, right? Mm -hmm. So I kind of wrote it off and everybody was calling my phone, pray for her, this, this, this. Okay, even if she did get shot in my head, I didn't want to put it into the universe. She's okay. She's okay. She's mm -hmm. okay. Wouldn't even say those words. Didn't even put it out there like that. <clears throat> but then I got a, called her mom, called her a couple of times. She didn't answer. Called her mom and then her mom is like, I don't know, we're out there at the hospital downtown in Eskenazi. And she started crying, like bawling her eyes out. And at that point, I just hung the phone up and let that let that challenger breathe, bro. I just got on Keystone, flew down 465, got them ready, and I was gone. Gone. I swear I got downtown from, I live in Carmel now, probably like 12, 15 minutes. I was gone. And I ran up there. It was like it was like a scene from a movie. Everything was slow motion. I pulled in to the parking lot, and I I got on like regular clothes because I I'm going right up the street to make dinner. I got Zane in the back, you know. I'm like, all right, we're just gonna have this a normal day. Pull up in the parking lot. I open up my door, and the wind just takes my door, blows it wide open. I just reach in the back, grab my son, and as soon as I grab my son and come up. Cameras are rushing at me. They're like, do you know, blah, 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 you know what's going on? I'm like, I'm like, yeah, man, I, I don't want to talk to you guys. I'm trying to rush. So I've got him in my arm and I'm running into the hospital. As soon as I run into the door, there's like nurses sitting there all masked up because of COVID and this and that. And I got one officer that was like, are you Zeb? I said, yes. She said, follow me. They like threw me a mask, threw me a mask and Zane the mask and we put it on. And I remember following this officer not walking briskly, she is running through this hospital and I'm right behind her, high stepping in, man. We're doing drills, like that's what it feels like. I'm following her through this hospital, running, 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 running. And then we walk into this door 
And I remember the chaplain walked in right before me and the door shut. And right before it shut all the way, I opened the door and I walked in. And as soon as the door shut behind me, he said, is this everybody? And she was like, her, her mom was like, yeah. And the chaplain was like, she didn't make it. And I said, wait, we can't, we can't see her. This is your daughter. This is my son's mom. What do you mean we can't see her? She said, he said, no, she didn't make it. I said, she died. He said, yes, she didn't make it. And at that point, I just turned around and I just dropped and I had my son in my arms and I'm squeezing him and I'm crying. I let, I let a lot of tears out. 99% of it was, it was for the mourning of the loss of my son. He doesn't understand what he lost yet. And he doesn't understand the magnitude of how this may affect his life. And that's like every moment his life just flashed in my mind in like five seconds. And I just broke down. I broke down. And no matter who called, no matter who talked, who I talked to, no matter who said anything to me in person or in text message on the phone, it was like a loud ringing noise in my ear the entire time. The only voice I heard was my son looking at me like, Daddy, what's wrong? And I had to explain it to him. And um, where I gathered my strength was the very first time in that whole experience was when I was like, you know, I got to go home. I got to go home. So I went home and my son is in the back and we come to the very second light of pulling out of Eskenazi. And my son was like, why was everybody crying, dad? And I was like, he said, why was everybody crying? Did I do something? I said, oh, no, son, it wasn't your fault. You didn't do anything. You know, mommy got hurt and uh, she's very hurt right now. But I'll tell you more about it later. He said, OK, OK. And then it was just like the most silent car ride ever. He felt my energy. I felt his energy. Every time I looked in the rear view, he's staring me dead in the eyes. You know, he's like he never seen daddy like this before. But that day. That day, I just took it on, man. I was like, you know, this is what I got to do. It's never something that I never thought I would ever not have to do. You know, I'm always going to be a dad, <clears throat> always going to be a father. But just the way that it happened, I would have never wished that on anybody. You know, that's the day it happened. Yeah, that's 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 the day it happened. And I remember just, you know, I'm not I'm a I'm a spiritual man for sure. I believe that the body and the soul dies when the body does. I really do. But I was yearning for a, a, a sign. You know, I was yearning for that voice. Let me just hear it one more time. Let me just hear, you know, everything will be all right. Let me just hear, you know, I got faith in you, Zeb, or something. Like, you know, you've been doing good. Keep going. Something like, you know, you're just looking for it. But and part of you still looks for it. I can't lie. But at this point, it's like, this is who I am. This is our life. And no matter, I don't need a confirmation at this point, but it'd be nice to hear, hey, you're doing good with our son. You know what I'm saying? Something. I don't know. That's just kind of where my head is at. And first off, I got to commend your transparency because I personally can't imagine being in that moment. I'm not a father yet. I have got kids. I got a nephew who's the same age as Zane, and I would move heaven and earth for them, all of them. And just to take on that role instantly like just the full-time 
parent. Like, unfortunately, his mom isn't here in the physical anymore. She's still mothering just through heaven, in a sense. And right. to carry that into now my son needs me in a different way than just I can't just be daddy anymore. I can't just he's going to need so much more now because that other parent isn't physically there. And you're sharing with the how the car ride went. What was the like weeks and days and you know months following? I know it's only been a little over a year. It's it's still very very new in this new environment. So the, as my question is right now, what did you have to do to make sure this year of first was as smooth and as seamless as possible for him? The number one thing I did, you know, out of respect to her and out of respect of him. I can only do so much as the one person I am to keep her alive. I only have so many videos. I only have so many pictures. I only have so many stories. I only have so many inside jokes. You know, I only have so many things I can show him to keep that visual and that feeling of his mom alive to him. The best thing I did was keep him around everyone else that he knew was a part of his mom's life and everybody else that was any event that was going on, any gathering, any type of fundraiser, trust that they wanted to put together for him, any type of any type of anything that had to do with his mom. I made sure we were there. Everything. That vision is so critical for him to be to help cope with that later on. And I want to make sure that he understands that daddy did everything he could and put me around everybody that loved her just as much as her parents and family did and her closest friends. Put it, kept him around and tried to keep her around and as frequent as possible in his life. I really, really tried to do that. And with this first year going around, it was good. It had its highs, but also had its lows. So what I mean by that is communities across the country, even over the across the world, reached out to me, offering services, offering just prayers, love, donations, everything, you know, every single thing anybody could ever need in this situation, which I, I am greatly appreciative for. But then on the flip side of that, this is a national event. To where this is an officer, not just, let's just say, figurative, somebody's grandma died. Everybody goes to the funeral, but a year later, there's only going to be one or two people, three people, you know, who really keep grandma alive, who really, really loved her and, you know, want to do these memorials and keep it together and have the family get together, memorialize her, all this other stuff. But when it comes to an officer, everywhere we go, everywhere that was normal to us, boom, especially in Indianapolis, plastered, big pictures of her. The next time an officer gets shot, she'll be right there on the lineup on TV. Like, it, this will never die. It, it's not going to get easier. It just, it's like a Band-Aid and it keeps getting, it gets, it heals a little bit more at a time, but it just keeps getting ripped off every time we walk into the doctor's office because it's the same pediatric doctor that she had when she was a child. So I'm keeping him there at the same time. We walk in there, big old picture of his mom. And then, you know, everybody, hey, that's my mom, da 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 and walking around the city, they, they recognize us. And what turned into a two minute 
grocery store trip for a line turns into 45 minutes later and then offering services and then calling some other people over there. And now, you know, our life has dramatically changed. I don't want it to just turn off and forget about her by no means, but the way that our lives has changed now, it's just a little bit of calm would, would be nice. You know what I mean? Definitely. Really, something that I've paid attention to is that everyone's there to rush during, you know, when someone immediately passes and you love and you need that support right then and there. But it's also a point in time where that sends the fade away day by day, week by week. Some calls just stop calling and some people just stop coming by. And it seems to me, at least in this instance, because of how high profile it was in an area that doesn't normally have this happen and a very well area where the family is respected that it's going to be a constant and how it like i understand this it's always going to be a band-aid being taken off the wound and never really all the way healing it is more so just like you're learning what this wound is and how to package it and make sure if it starts bleeding like you put something over it but what kind of outlook do you see for it long term especially as he you know continues to grow with every year like, how, are you going to have to try to change how that is directed or is it you're just going to taking it one day at a time because it's not going to be the same type of feelings and emotions day in and day out? I really I don't have an answer for that one. I'm trying to um, take it day by day. And I reach out to a lot of people who already have been through this situation and they would like to extend their knowledge and help and services and help me navigate this road. It's really tough. Um, so there's one thing that some of the, the organizations are doing. They're gathering fallen heroes families. And I believe that, I'm not sure what the uh, definition of a hero is. It could, it's not just officers. It has to be, you know, just people in some type of duty saving lives. They gather in Washington, D.C. So they bring all the close family, friends, and relatives and children to Washington, D.C. for a week. And... Um, they have all these events and ceremonies memorializing these people but they also have all these classes and shops and gatherings for all different parts of their families to where everybody can get together and it's like one big bubble of coping and you just pass down the knowledge and you pass down ways to get over and get through this hard situation especially within the first few years of happening that's happening ironically over his birthday this year and we'll be down there for about a week doing that. And I'm really looking forward to that because, you know, besides the, the cliche, like uh, counseling both for myself and for him, I'm looking for other ways that we can take this on at home that I can be more effective as a parent in helping him cope and making him more comfortable with me. Cause you know, if you would ask his dad, are you able to ask his mom, who his best friend was, she 100% one time was upset because she was like, oh, daddy, daddy's my best friend. <laughs> so so we're still best friends by far, you know, but I just want to make sure, you know, he's getting a little bit older. He's getting a little bit, uh, he's getting a lot smarter. And those questions are not getting easier. That's the part I wasn't, I knew would come, but I wasn't prepared for. The questions are brutal, like uh, vivid, detailed, because it's not always me giving him the straightforward information that I feel like he needs, but when he sits in these ceremonies and he sits in these uh, situations where they talk about the situation, they're very vivid. 
So he's seeing their eyes wide and he hears everything. Then he's like, oh, dad, what happened when? And I'm like, oh, God, like you weren't supposed to hear that. But you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm looking forward to actually finding new ways. And as far as the people that come are just flooding in now, flooding in when it happened and who has stayed consistent and is around, I would say the people who matter, they, they are here. Granted, I had thousands and thousands and thousands of people reach out to me. But the people who matter and the people who really support him, I'm not going to say the only people, but the people that we knew and that was in the circle beforehand, before the situation, they are still here and they're very well, much so supporting. Um, they know who they are. I love them for that and they're forever welcome. Using counseling and that being a very, very vital tool for you both, is there something that you would advocate even if this wasn't you know, the same situation, if there was a not as traumatic situation, would you have still gone to counseling, whether it had been available and made sure, okay, here are these resources that they just, here's this, and having someone just make sure they put you in line with someone, do you think that would have been a course of action even without the situation? For myself or for my son? Both. I think definitely essential, but I just want your, you know, honest opinion. Is that something that you would have done voluntarily or? No, I would, I would 100% say yes. It is a counseling on any level. I feel like regardless of the situation, whether it's a death, an addiction, a breakup, a sickness, a disease, I think counseling is pivotal and I do think it's helpful. I learned that at a little bit older age that, you know, getting it out, whether you tell it to somebody or just saying it, putting it out into the world, it, it allows it to become alive. And then it also allows you to get it out. It makes you feel better. But as for a child's standpoint, I'm a first time father and I don't know how to communicate the best with children at all. You know, I know how to communicate greatly with my son, but there is some people out there who understand him a lot better in this situation than I do. And like I said, I'm just looking for a way to communicate with him at home and to help him stay, keep the gates open of communication so that when we do talk, there is no animosity. There isn't anything held back. There isn't any question or there isn't any stone unturned or anything of that sort, because these are the type of situations that manifest whether great people or horrible people, you know, because loss of a parent is, is a huge, huge deal. It affects the way that you're brought up. So the counseling part, I 1000% was suggested regardless if anybody brought it up beforehand and that was the number one thing that i thought in my head was how are we going to get through this and how am i going to understand a three-year-old's point of view there's professionals for that you know i'm not going to sit him in a room by himself and let them say and do whatever but i will sit there right there and i need to be able to understand it too so 100 percent looking forward to it i'm not going to say i would do it but i haven't done it yet because of just how frequent things are going on now you know what i mean once things start dying down a little bit more his questions will be how they are still but a little bit more vivid and a little bit more detailed and he and i won't be so celebritized around here you know what i mean to where it's not always brought up and he can just talk about it freely and it's not like a huge deal to everybody around him so that's what i'm waiting on before i actually put him in some type of counseling session so he can get better answers Okay.
when it comes to those hard questions, I'm assuming you're keeping a, a hundred with them. You're not really holding back. One hundred, keeping the buck. But is, is there any like hesitancy in this? Like, okay, is he ready to hear certain aspects of what happened? Really, just the layout of what occurred. Because again, his mind is still developing, and again, you almost don't want to strip him of his innocence at the same time. Because he's still a very young, young boy. Like he's got the world ahead of him. But you want to make sure you don't jade him and turn the hero into the villain at the same time, right? right? That is that is the, <laughs> that's funny you say that because I say that a lot, and that's a uh, that's probably the number one thing I was worried about. <laughs> the number <laughs> one thing I was worried about uh, because in his eyes, police officers are the best there is. You know what I'm saying? He glorifies them. And I'm not here to tear him down, but I will tell him the truth. But as far as when it comes down to the situation that happened at hand with his mother, at one point I was sheltering him from the information. But like I said, going to these functions, going to anything that memorialized her and celebrated her, they're on TV, they're live, we're sitting front row. And then they go deep into discussion of descriptiveness about what happened. They even go down to reading the exact police report and the details of what happened in the police report. And it's pretty deep. That's very detailed. It has to be in the police report, correct? So he sits and hears that. So allowing him to hear that, that's where his questions manifest from. And I have to be very, very honest with him. But I allow leeway for a follow-up question that I know that he will not develop without a few more months of thinking or a little bit more information. I'm not going to lie. But I will tell you, I will answer your question. I'm not going to leave anything out, but I'm not going to. I'll just answer his question very straightforward. You, like you're not answer. withholding anything. You're just like, if he's I'm, asking an A question, you're going to give the A answer, not A, B, and C to, you know, overwhelm him with information. I will give you the answer, but not why that's the answer. That's exactly why. That's exactly it. I'm not giving you any uh, footnotes. I'm not giving you anything. It's, you know, who killed my mama? Oh, bad guy. Okay, cool. Well, what? Then, you know, months later, well, why the bad guy? Why? Why was it him? Well, this is what happened. Leave it at that. Then he'll develop another question. Well, how did, what did the bad guy do? How did, how did the bad guy kill him? You know, well, he used a gun. Where did he shoot her? Three months later, where did he shoot her? Oh, shot her in the face. You know that. He knows that because he's heard it a million times. The last question that really messed me up was when I was laying in Texas, in the bed in Texas. And he was like, "Damn, you know, my mom got shot in the face. How big was the hole?" And I was like, "Oh god!" Like it started. It's just he's starting to understand. You know what I mean? Now it's getting detailed, detailed, detailed. Like he's seeing it in his head, type stuff. And like I said, that's an example of how he got to where these questions are now because I gave him straightforward answers, but I didn't give him the details in between. He thought about it. He lays there. And he'll think about it. And then he'll like pop up and be like, hey, dad, so what about this? And I'm at a point now where I'm like, you he pretty much knows everything. I don't really know what else to say to him. And now his questions are being directed towards the bad guy. So what about the bad guy now? And I don't want to even show him that picture, what he looks like. I don't want him to look like 50 Cent did with a picture of whoever and get rich or die trying. Well, you know, I thought the guy who killed my dad looked like Rick James, you know what I'm saying? He just had this one right. picture up, you know what I'm saying? I don't want right. that. I don't want that to have be buried in his head where he sees this picture and he's like, okay, I see red. 
or my goal now is to go be an officer so I can get people like him or go get that guy specifically. You know what I'm saying? I don't I don't want that. I don't want that. So that's the tough part. How do you feel you are handling everything to the best of your abilities? Like don't grade yourself because that's because it's not realistic. But how do you feel with everything that's going on between the constant reminders and the newfound celebrity that you have that you didn't wake up and decide, oh, I wanted to be on every TV and every newspaper Bro. and every news article. <laughs> like, how do you think you're handling that? Honestly, I feel like Zane and I are doing very well. We're a team. And it's not always what I say. Like a lot of people probably hear this and be like, what? He's a four, he's five years old. You gotta understand this this kid is very bright and at the same time, he's in touch with himself. He knows himself. So if, when he says he doesn't want something, when he says he doesn't feel a certain way, when he says he doesn't like something, I listen to that. And it helps me make decisions about what we're gonna do or who we're gonna be around. What type of events do you wanna go to? Which ones are going to be more beneficial for him and which ones should I go to? Like, I actually have these conversations with this little kid and it's kind of weird, but they help. But I think that it's not all just me. It's my my supporting cast in my village, including her side of the family. I mean, they, they help guide me in the direction as well as what they feel like how Zane is and what they feel like he would like compared to what his mom liked at that age or what she wanted to do. So I feel like the transition of becoming a, a full-time father and keeping his life on track as a happy four-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, and about to be five-year-old, I feel like we're doing very, very, very well. It could have been worse. It could have been a lot worse. But I feel like the support that we have around this city, the support that we have from the close loved ones and friends, I feel like it's allowed us to be have a normal life and be able to openly talk about his mom without certain feelings coming up. And I tried my hardest to keep it alive because it needs to be an open, that needs to be an open forum in our house to where it's not a bitter subject or it derives bad feelings at any sort. Like just to show you in his bedroom, I keep a picture of his mom right above his bed. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's there at all times. It's a constant reminder. It's not, we're not trying to forget it. So I feel like we've come a long way. I feel like we're doing great. Uh, you know, I'm engaged. I got my fiance, Jasmine. Jasmine Thomas, I know you know her. Um, oh, yeah. We go back. Go back. Yeah. Back to Debbie yeah. time days. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, back in the day, boy. Her and I are engaged, and she stepped into that mom role very well. So it was nothing ever forced on her. But I think Zane just, he was, he, he found that mom feeling and that nurturing mom that he lost. He found it in her and woke up and she was mom one day and she never stopped being mom. Like her name is mom now, you know, you know, like I said, it's not just us. It's not just how we operate and the people that give and whatever it is that they give to us and help us get through, but it's all the supporting cast that we really got. And including Jasmine, she makes a big, 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 big deal of it. Cause she's a day in and day out mom, but she's this boy every day. And she has made that transition. And I'm 100% grateful for her. Absolutely want to send my love and all great feelings to Jasmine, who was great even back in the day. I can only imagine how great of a woman she is with you and 
being a bonus mom to Zane, and definitely want to make sure I give her her roses as well because that family is also a great family has a great support system very familiar with so i have no worries and concern about the tribe that is raising not just zane but also wrapping their arms around you because it, it wasn't just you know zane that lost someone very special on the you know one point in time you and brian were also together and manifested something so great it turned into zane so i definitely want to make sure that Thank i you. put that out there and Make sure all parties involved know that, you know, even on this platform, even though I'm talking to you, I have to speak life into both, you know, the lead family, both in your family and also Jasmine's family. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's all love. I'm just going to wrap this up right now. But for those that do want to get a hold of you, for maybe want to do something for Zane on his birthday, October 15th, right? October 15th. Yes, sir. You know, they want to happen to send some. Hey, what's going on, man? I'm all right. So for those that don't know, I'm actually looking at Zane right now. I've not met him in person, but I look forward to seeing him next time I'm in town and hopefully have some for him. But how can they reach you if they want to do anything for you? I'm most active on on uh, Instagram. If anybody would ever like to reach out to me, my name is exactly how it's spelled on the podcast here. This event. I'm really active on there. Company name is on there, too. That's where uh Companies called Symphony Cinemas. I'm really active on there. So if I get any type of notification on there, I reply immediately. But um, if it's if it's for Zane, reach out to me. And I'll, I, there's a lot of foundations that the police officers are putting on and, and our IMPD puts on for the benefit of Zane. I try to drive everything that direction. I don't have the links, but I can send you the information as soon as you reach out to me. So quick, fast, it's nothing timely. But uh, thank you in advance. If you do would like to support, Zane would like to say thank you too. So, man, I appreciate the time. This has truly been the episode where I don't think I've talked at all. This is, I'm just in awe and listening. And I know my listenership will also appreciate this story that's going to forever be written. It's ever changing every single day. But uh, thank you for even letting us in this aspect. It can get very touchy, it can get very, very emotional. And I understand that not everybody's able to talk to you in a way that just like all right this is this is family this is comfortable and whatnot so again thank you for agreeing to do it thank you this is what do i do now season two <laughs> episode seven and zeb i will see you very very soon man hey brother come back we need to link up yeah we got the we got to give the city what it's been missing we will handle that this summer <laughs> know that we on the way all right brother. i'll be back with a brand new episode next monday